Pleasure Seeker Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Feldman, sex and pleasure coach, and I'm here to remind you of your natural birthright as a pleasure seeker. So listen on and create your most turned on orgasmic life. My friends, I have such a fun, important episode for you all today. I am interviewing a former client and current colleague, Tuska Nekochea, who, first of all, let's just say that name, so beautiful. She is my femme fatale, fierce, fabulous, super strong badass that teaches and practices Krav Maga, and runs a self-defense club for women in Oakland, California. Krav Maga is a technique of self-defense as a physical hand-to-hand combat. Now, why is this important for us in my pleasure world? I want you to consider, when I speak about embodiment, I'm not just talking about feeling sexy and feeling relaxed. I'm talking about befriending and channeling your bigness, your messy, dark, gritty, full range of who you are and what makes you tick. And so we have this huge range of emotion, but yet in our culture, it is not socially acceptable for us to embody the big taboos which let's just say sexiness is part of that too, but your aggression, your desire, your fury, your power. And we don't have many access points to express that and release those in healthy ways. So we end up stuffing it down, suppressing it, self-avoiding, and we become so resentful and so bitter. So in this conversation, we talk about physical combat, not only as a powerful and literally practical tool for women in being more prepared physically to protect ourselves, but more importantly, we explore why learning to physicalize these feelings is radically therapeutic. As Tosca puts it, it's more than just defending yourself. It's about a personal transformation that can occur When you enter your body and befriend your emotions and all those things you're advised to suppress because it goes against your good girl training. Hashtag mic drop. (laughs) So uh, let's hash it out. And by the end, I'm pretty sure you're going to be rethinking that local kickboxing class or researching some self-defense in your neighborhood. Also, stay tuned because if I have my way, (laughs) don't be surprised if I can uh, get Tosca to come teach one of her classes in one of my embodiment salons. So for now, enjoy, my friends. I've never punched anything. Okay, well, yeah, you got to come over. Yeah, no, we need help. I'm like, (laughs) I just want to yield stuff it down no <laughs> i'm gonna cry in the corner punch it you know first two knuckles right here don't oh. punch it over here. okay punch, yeah. 
<laughs> we are going to talk about self-defense, all things movement, embodiment, and emotional, I don't even want to call it management, just like letting things flow. So tell me a little bit about yourself and just kind of the work that you do, Tuska. Yeah, about six months ago, I was chatting with people on Nextdoor, which most people know is like kind of a local neighborhood network. And there were a lot of complaints and concerns from women about the idea of being assaulted in the street. It's no secret, you know, that we're in a national crime wave and that women are likely to be attacked under certain circumstances. There's a specific set of crimes that are more likely to happen to women than to men. Mm -hmm. And people were really worried about the bystander effect. They were worried that they were going to get attacked and do their yelling and nobody was going to come and help them. And I have been practicing Krav Maga for about seven years and I'm you know, completely fascinated with it. And I started a women's self-defense club with the idea of sharing some of the tools that, you know, I've learned while chasing Krav Maga. And I actually got the idea, bizarrely, from a young colleague of mine um, who practices Krav Maga as well. And she had mentioned that she started a self-defense club and I was like okay with that what a great idea you know mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. wow okay so women should have a fight club women should have a way of learning how to defend themselves and I talked about it with my sister-in-law and she said you know it's more than just defending yourself it's about a personal transformation that can occur when you enter your body and you make it friend of your emotions when you befriend all of those things that in general you're advised to suppress because it goes against our good girl training. I'll just say too personally, I don't know why I'm always like, I'm the middle child from a good Midwestern family grown up with Christian values. And I just felt like I never had access to a healthy way to feel rage terrified of confrontation, arguing. I mean, I married a New York Jew. I don't know. I was like, teach me how to argue anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, and similar to sex, like I was like, I don't know how to be like the naughty side too. It's like, I think there's like a interesting um, resistance to being embodied and resistance to feeling the darker, more like gritty parts of oneself. And like those emotions that can feel kind of scary for a lot of women. Yeah. I hate suppression. It just feels wrong. And when I went to the gym immediately, all of the natural characteristics and responses that I am consistently encouraged to repress in other arenas were encouraged. Mm. You know, you want to hit something more hit it again you want to be angry you want to shout that's awesome shout more use your voice use your hand use your anger and make a friend of it was that hard for you at first or was that something that you were came pretty naturally to you it came really really naturally to me and at the same time there are other traits 
characteristics and urges that you might want to use in a combat situation that didn't come naturally to me. And I understand how that can be difficult. And I see in other people when it is difficult, how it's hard to, to pass all of the training. Mm -hmm. And by that I mean social training mm -hmm. to really embrace fury or aggression. Do you find that some women have a really hard time knowing how to tap that? Or once you start physicalizing it, it, it comes natural to a lot of people? Oh, I think a lot of women are really, really good at it. Yeah. And then for some people, not just women, but everybody, it's difficult to access that. So some people are really, really good at visualizing technique and repeating it. Some people are really, really good at the raw emotion of it. And it just mm -hmm. depends on the person. Yeah. But it's valuable for everyone. Yeah. I mean, whenever we get into a conversation about, oh, is this just for women? Is this for men? I think emotions and aggression are difficult for all of us socially. Mm -hmm. I'm particularly interested in how that works for women, but it, it doesn't mean that it works it doesn't work for men. It just means that it works differently based on our social training. Yeah. It's, it's kind of anytime you're bucking the dominant paradigm, like yeah. how do we handle socially, how do we handle rage? How do we handle emotions period stop? And yeah. anybody, it kind of doesn't matter. People have different approaches, but anybody you pick off the street and really probe with that person is going to say that we have a strange way of dealing with emotions. Like you need to control your emotions or yeah. emotions aren't a good guide. This is a conversation that I had with somebody last week. Emotions aren't a good guide. Emotions, yeah. you let your emotions drive you. And yeah. I argued, we never did agree, but I at least stuck to my guns. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. you can. And in fact, you must let your emotions drive you. It's not that mm -hmm. you don't. Oh, they already are driving you, my opinion. Indeed. Not, they're already it, there. <laughs> you can't escape it. It's such a good point. You can't escape it. So yeah. you have to harness it. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like your own private wild stallion that you've got to get with, you know, because anybody also like who trains animals is going to tell you that you can't, or anybody who trains people is going to tell you, you cannot divest people of their natural tendencies. It's literally mm. possible. Yeah. To just in a disservice, like you're going to be wasting your time and energy. Totally. Uh, so much of my life is like calming my nervous system. Mm. But I think part of that is needing like when there is rage and like really hot tension, mm -hmm. it's not just about like deep breaths and like going into a still space. It's like really letting my movement move it. I even just think with my two kids, and I don't know if you see this with your boy and girl too, where it's like, I feel like I tried my best to be really balanced in how I react to things. But like my son is so physical and he physicalizes so much of his emotions and so much of like how he plays is very physical. And my daughter's very verbal and very, you know, she just, she can be kind of physical too, but <laughs> I can feel even as a parent, my like tendency to follow social norms with like how a girl oh, behaves yeah. and how a girl speaks and how a girl, you know, she's a little older too, but um, I'm like, no, stop the conditioning. Let her do it. Let her rage. It's okay. <laughs> And then we have a backlash, you know, we have whatever's happening socially now. So then we want to urge people in a direction. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's kind of amazing to have a an intentional outlet for something like this, because since we all do feel rage and we all do feel aggression and frustration and power in our lives, and sometimes that can come out in frenetic ways or it's like unfocused or suppressed completely, but it's so helpful to have this like variety of ways and movement and physicalization that can feel really cathartic, I would imagine. Yeah. From your experience of doing this work with embodiment, being like with yourself emotionally and seeing what's coming up and letting that be married with technique and skill of self-defense or the fight, I would, for lack of a better word. Um, if someone's not in a class per se, are there ways that you can incorporate some of the things that you're learning and teaching on a just day-to-day -day level for some people? Are you asking if mental and physical skills can positively impact people in terms of their self-presentation and their ability to, for example, set boundaries, even if they're not in a class? Yeah, I that and how can someone, even if they're not in a class, start to embody some of like, like let's say they're feeling frustrated and they're not gonna they don't necessarily have the skills be it fighting necessarily what are some ways that they might be able to physicalize or move that emotion so i'm really committed to that training mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to imagine life without it you know as soon as i hear you say that i'm like what a life without a life without God? um Everyone, but, that's why everyone needs to like take class with you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I just really considering your question and I want everyone to take class. I want everyone to train this. At the same time, I think your question is whether there is a set, well, whether there's an approach to life that allows people to physically experience their emotions in a way that's beneficial to them. And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about processing emotions, so I'm coming at it from like a totally non self-defense place, but I always am like, okay, what is your body leading you to do next? Like your brain is mm -hmm. saying like, okay, take a deep breath and just like keep going on with your day or like muscle through. And if your body's like, mm -hmm. I am so frustrated, I need to scream, or I need to breathe fire, or I need to punch something or like, run, like the body knows what to do next, the body knows what it needs in that moment. And we can be conscious of like, how we want to do that. In my wheelhouse, I'm like, the client always knows the body always knows how to befriend your rage, for instance. Oh, I love it. How to befriend your rage. Um, so for me, and in particular to women, for that specific question, I feel like the key that needs to turn in a lock there is the question of legitimacy. Mm. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. So um, I've been following a woman named Cassia Urbaniak, who does a whole series of courses on emotions and utilizing emotions. And 
she has exercises for experiencing legitimacy. Her whole premise is you don't have a say in what you want. You have mm. no say in what you want. Desire arises in you and it's legitimate because it arises in you. It just mm -hmm. comes. Mm -hmm. You totally have a choice about how you're going to react to it. And I think that is an important plateau. It's an important place to dwell. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I think as women, we cut ourselves off immediately from emotions by denying them their legitimacy or by denying ourselves our legitimacy. I want something that makes it not okay. Yeah, 100%. And so in order to break through that barrier, we need to recognize that what we want what we feel is legitimate. Mm -hmm. You're not choose to act on every single urge you have, but denying the action or denying the feeling just because you decided at some point that what you want is illegitimate is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see how that like creates resentment and bottling it up and self avoidance and a whole life that can be really, really small. And it's interesting you bring that up. It's like how a fight practice, which is like another way of disembodying and another way of like experiencing yourself um, is related to desire and pleasure. It's like you get to expand the full range of who you are because you're not capped as to like, I can only experience this handful of emotions, this handful of ways of being. But if I can expand in one direction, I can expand in the other. If I can be in touch with my full complex, dark, messy sides and befriend all of it, I have access to so much more of like the complex pleasures as well or at least the desires of like, what do I desire? Is that, do they over, overlap as well? Yeah. When you have a desire, you can follow it. And it's like pulling on a thread. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily lead you to where you thought it would be. It's like starting down a path. It's not necessarily going to go where you think it's going to go. Some big surprises can happen. But the idea is that there is a lot of power in following it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that it almost doesn't matter where it takes you. What matters is you're recognizing your desire as such and being willing to take a step down that path. Yeah. And that frees you to react to a whole different set of outcomes that you never would have encountered had you been repressing that. Mm hmm. And just noticing when there's fear and resistance to what you desire, what you're actually experiencing is physically like resistance and tightness and anxiety about something that you want. And sometimes what you want is not pleasant in a way, or it's like, in, it's inconvenient. There's it's like you being willing to take up more space and step into power. Absolutely. Because desire Absolutely. is power in your life. It is. It is the driving power, like engine in what yes. you want in life. And that can be alarming for some people. It, it's off putting. 
It's alarming for me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, it's alarming. And still, worth chasing. It's worth pulling that thread. See where it takes you. It's worth taking that step on a path that may lead to adventure. Mm-hmm. I think that's something for a lot of us that is um, really big. I've lost my sense of adventure, especially as we get a little older. We're like, oh, you know, I used to be this different person. And how can I charm or provoke that person back into my life? Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned that a lot in your work, that it's not, it's not ever about the surrounding circumstances, but it's about who they allow you to be. And how you feel about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining you doing your combat with like leather and. Oh my God. Some, I never thought of that. I think it would be suits. a little uncomfortable, but I might try it one day. <laughs> Let now me have my fantasy. <laughs> Fine. Yes. Um, Enjoy. Some ninja gear happening. But uh, it's like if there is something that. Um, there is the desire to step into this version of yourself and where there is power, there is um, conviction and own it and be able to like stand your ground and get what you want and be safe doing it. All of us want that. I'm oversimplifying that because part of our training sometimes, for example, is going into the bathroom of the gym and fighting our way out of it. Wait, seriously? Or like, no, oh, yeah, seriously. We've gone into the bathroom. The toilet is the farthest thing back in the bathroom. So somebody goes in there, sits on the toilet. Everybody else piles into the room. And the person sitting on the toilet has to fight their way out. That's oh, amazing. Can I just, and like, I always hang out toilet. in your world? <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, you okay, so this is, like, an experience, too, that I've had, too, where it's, like, I don't experience rage with other people. Like, I feel like that's been very conditioned out of me in many ways. But with my kids, that instinct comes very quickly to me where I'm just like, I'm in a rage. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like, uh, for whatever reason, mentally, it feels like where I have power, right? And I want to offer myself, my body, myself, there are places that you can go and allow yourself the safety of, stepping into power and physicalizing not just rage or aggression but it's just how am i in my body when there are big emotions at play so for instance when i'm with my kids i'm not like out of control and it's my my rage i i'm befriending it so i can channel it in the way i want to well that feels like a two-stepper to me it feels like One, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm always saying that I don't really care about community, but (laughs) you do need community. You need people Mm -hmm. to support that experience. And I think that that's really something that's available in the self-defense world, at least the one that I inhabit. People will support that experience and coach, actually coach that experience. I had um, a recent experience where I was in this training and I was being hit in the head a lot by somebody bigger and stronger than me. And I started crying. I had headgear on, I had snot pouring down inside the headgear. So it was a really, for me, quite a dramatic experience. And I thought going into it, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did not see that reaction coming. And I felt failure and I wanted 
I didn't want to walk away, but I didn't know what to do to move beyond it. And the exact person who was hitting me is the one who was like, come on, you've got this. You're a great fighter. Come on, come back and coached me through it. Mm -hmm. And so you do, you know, we do need that. And then I think reference to Cassia Urbaniak's work, you also need a moment to sit with an emotion and follow it all the way to its end. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. An amazing experience because I think that for many people they will find that initially it's quite difficult you have to come at it you're gonna to have to take a few passes at it if it's pain if it's sorrow if it's rage if it's joy we shut it down it's not okay to be too exuberant it's not okay to be too angry and that just leads to a lot of trapped energy <laughs> so we have to learn to release it and I think it's pure magic for that second scenario. You're going to sit with it. You're going to find a space where you feel comfortable alone and able to follow the entire arc of your emotion. Mm -hmm. So that is the, that is one of the mental skills that I think is really important for women. I can't really speak to the experience for men. I think a man would have to explore that and think about that. I have a feeling you're pretty well equipped with your emotional capacity <laughs> and language. I'm feeling better and better about it, actually. It's quite, it's quite amazing work. If there are actually no bad emotions, some are more uncomfortable than others. But if, if you're willing to go there, nothing can hold you back. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So how can people find you? Opening my doors. I'm still working locally and at a very small scale. If you are in Oakland or Berkeley, you can probably find my group. It's called Women's Self-Defense Club. Mm -hmm. Illustrious title. <laughs> and, um, aside from that, I would just say that if people are interested, they can email me. The work is so, so, so important. It's like and I just can't stress this enough. I think just especially for women, of course for men, but like especially for women, where it's just not, it's not cool to be a bitch. It's not cool to be aggressive. It's not cool to be big and strong. And there's so much pressure to be likable. I think mm -hmm. the work that you do is just so healing, really. It, there is so much pressure to be likable and it kind of comes down to I am what I am. For each of us, that means something different. And the one thing that I want for all women and for all people really everywhere is for them to be okay with that, you know, to understand who they are, to be okay with that. And then within that framework to think about what they want to become, but certainly not to engage in that from a place of suppression. 100%. So good. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you for coming <laughs> on my little live. Yeah. And I will be in it touch because I am going to find, as soon as you open up Beyond 21 Neighborhoods, I'm coming at you. <laughs> Come at me. Come at me early. You know where to find me. So good. Okay. Well, enjoy your beautiful weekend, my friend. Yeah, you too.